Amen. Thank you so much for that. If you have your Bible, Psalm chapter 90 this morning, Psalm chapter number 90, and uh, we'll get there here in just a moment. But as you turn there, Psalm chapter number 90, and Dr. Getsch, thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity to come and to speak to the student body today. And I know we've got some that are scattered out and about and serving in ministry even this morning by way of helping with the basketball tournament. But I am so glad that you are here and so thankful for the privilege and the opportunity afforded to us this morning. Psalm chapter number 90, and while you're turning there, let me uh, pull anybody who is feeling anxious right now that uh, you might get back to your dorm and find out that you forgot to take your trash out, that Brother Blim is in here and Miss Blim is in here. And so that can put you at ease at least for this hour's class period. So Psalm chapter number 90, and uh, look with me if you would at just one verse. We'll have a word of prayer and get right into the preaching this morning. But Psalm chapter number 90 in verse number 12 simply says this, so teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Let's pray one last time, and perhaps even in this moment of quietness, you might just ask the Lord one last time, Lord, would you speak to me this morning? Lord, would you have your will and your way in my heart and in my life this morning? Help me not to just go through the motions today. And so in just this, this moment of quietness before I pray, maybe you might pray something to that effect. Father, we do thank you for this privilege and this opportunity and how I pray that you'd calm my nerves and I pray that you'd give me the words to say and the word that you would help me even in this uh, presentation time, this preaching time, to be able to just give that which you've given unto me. And I pray that you would help each of us to have open hearts and listening ears. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work that only he can do. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless the efforts of this morning now. And I ask, Lord, that you would answer the prayer of the hearts that are genuinely seeking after you this morning. And I pray that you would lead them and guide them and direct them, even in this chapel hour. For it's in thy son's precious name we ask these things, for he alone is worthy. Amen. Here this weekend, many of you know that the NFL will be concluding their season and putting the capstone, if you will, on this particular season with that of the playing of the Super Bowl. And for some of those individuals, this might be not just the end of their season, it might also be the end of their careers, as many will probably make that decision to step away in time, uh, time to come. For the Olympics, if you've been following the Olympics by any stretch, uh, we're about halfway through the Winter Olympics there in Beijing. And for many of those athletes, they are competing for what could be their very last time of their storied careers after years and years of dedication and practice and training. And I mean, you think of like a Michael Phelps, and I realize that's Summer Olympics compared to Winter Olympics, but you think of a Michael Phelps who would wake up at three and four in the morning to go out and swim laps to be able to be an Olympic champion, and yet even his time has passed. For the MLB, the Major League Baseball teams, how many baseball fans do we have in the room? A few of you. <clears throat> Are we even going to have a season this year? Right now, the Major League Baseball is in their lockout, and for many, they don't know. There's uncertainty. Are they going to come together and get the contract settled to where they might be able to play another game? There might be some of you sitting in this room this morning that 2020 was your senior year. 
You were excited to be a senior. You were excited to finish off your, your, college, or your, your high school basketball season. You were excited to finish off your high school soccer season or track season or maybe your wrestling season or some of you, maybe your baseball season. And man, you were really looking forward to that capstone of your senior year. And then all of a sudden, something called the pandemic took place. And for you, you hung up your cleats or you put away the ball, whatever it might be. In the year of 2011, my wife and I had just transitioned from being on staff here as the assistant to the dean of men and women, Brother and Mrs. Weaver at the time, and we found ourselves all the way over in Virginia from coast to coast. And there I was as I was standing before a, uh, what I, I was introduced as the new basketball coach. I was the youth pastor, the new basketball coach, and I was standing in front of a group of teenage boys that were trying out for the basketball team late in the fall of 2011. And I, I just had all these thoughts going through my mind as a first-time coach and looking at this, what would be my first team. And Dr. Getch, if you remember Matt Gardner, Matt Gardner was on that team. And I just remember just standing before them. And up until that point, having been their youth pastor for just a couple of months at that time, I remember, Dr. Weaver, the only thing that they would talk about was basketball. I mean, these guys, they ate, they slept, they dreamt, they, dr they doodled, they, you know, whatever. They only thought about one thing, and that was basketball. And as I stood before that group, that thought was going through my mind. I, I, I had never prayed so much that an NBA champion would be crowned in the summertime like I prayed that year for our youth group. Because so many of them, as we were headed off to the Bill Rice Ranch for our week of camp, so many of our teen leaders were so wrapped up in what was taking place with LeBron James and the NBA Finals that year that I just knew as a youth pastor that they were not going to have any spiritual investment whatsoever if the NBA Finals continued into our week of camp. And I have never prayed that that season would have ended right before camp because I just knew they would not be invested. It was to those guys that I was standing before that day that were just, I mean, basketball was life. It, nothing else mattered. Everything else was just a, a detail. Everything else was just an inconvenience. Basketball to them was life. And I was standing before them and, and I had looked up the probability of what it would take to even become an NBA player. And I was not doing this by any way, shape, or imagine to try and discourage them. In fact, I was trying to motivate them to be better than they were, but to also think long-term, to think what will take place even after this season. And I looked up the probability of being an NBA player. And for those of you that have the dreams and the aspirations still to be an NBA player, and you could probably say this amongst many of the other professional sports, here's the probability of being an NBA NBA player. In terms of numbers, anyone pursuing a basketball career has roughly a one in three thousandth percent chance of getting all the way to the top. Let me put that into a numerical form for us to understand it. At, at any given year of all the boys playing high school basketball and specifically playing on the varsity team, on any given year there are roughly around 500,000 playing in that particular year. Of that half a million boys each year that are playing, roughly 16,000, from half a million all the way down to 16,000, 
ever play at a college level. And that's, that's college level, whether that's D1, D2, D3, or community college level, uh, only 16,000 of that half million ever get the chance to play. And of that number of college ball players, only 110 will ever play at least one NBA game in their life. That number gets even less when you add in foreign-born players, players that we're not accounting for from other countries that come here to, to fulfill their dream of being an NBA player. In fact, in the NBA right now, there are only 400 open player spots, which is actually less than those that attend West Coast Baptist College. So you have to be kind of the, the cream of the crop if you're going to play in the NBA. And as I stood in front of those 8th and ninth and 10th and 11th and 12th graders that day, I, I stood in front of them at that very first practice. And what I did is I took a basketball in my hand. And I looked at them and I said, gentlemen, I want you to watch this basketball. And then I began to describe to them something that I want to describe to you this morning. I want you to do the same thing I did with that group back then. I want you to look at this basketball, and I want you to see something that happens with all basketballs. This happens with all baseballs. This happens with all footballs. This happens with all volleyballs and soccer balls. Watch this ball and see what happens after I drop it. I'm sorry for those of you on that side. Maybe if I stood way back here, maybe everybody can see it. I don't know. But watch what happens to this basketball. Did you miss it? I'll go over on this side and try it. Hopefully it doesn't bounce off and into the crowd here. Watch this basketball. You'll see it again. You'll see it. Pay close attention right here. Play, 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 play close attention. There we go. Watch it. Did you see it? Here's the simple truth. Eventually, the ball stops bouncing. Eventually, the ball stops bouncing. Now, don't miss that simple truth this morning. I know we're just in the introduction, but don't miss that simple truth with all the basketball players and sports fanatics and everyone else that's in this congregation this morning. Don't miss that simple truth because eventually the ball stops bouncing. Not just the basketball, but in your life. Today, you might be wrapped up in a sport. You might be wrapped up in a hobby and entertainment. You might have some inspiration or an impression, rather, that the ball will never stop bouncing in your life. But Mark, it down, one day there will come a time where the ball will stop bouncing for your playing career. And when that ball stops bouncing, will you be prepared for what's next? What will you have to show for all the time, the sacrifice, the blood, the sweat, the tears that you invested into that which you allowed to define you? One day the ball will stop bouncing for all of us. And what will we have to show for our lives when that time comes? And then what do we do from there? Regardless of what you think of him, I believe that Tom Brady will go down as one of the best players at the quarterback position. Now, I understand that you can go back and look at when it was like real man's football compared to what it is today and, and being able to get hit. You can, you can uh, go through that whole context there. I get it. But Tom Brady will probably go down as one of the best in all of football at the quarterback position. And... At least for right now, the ball has stopped bouncing for him. 
He's hung up his cleats. He's retired. He's, he's brushed off now his accomplishments and he's moving on to other things. But it was just a decade ago that Tom Brady was being interviewed in a 60 Minutes interview. And he said these words. He says, man, I'm, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could make playing football. I have three Super Bowl rings. And why do I still think there's something greater out there for me? He said, there's got to be more than this. You know what Tom Brady realized even a decade ago for all the time that he had spent, for all the time that he had dedicated, for all the extra hours and investment of his life into the uh, playing of football and the achievements that came with it, there was a time where he came to himself and he felt still the emptiness or the void that football was not fulfilling. And not one of us here wants to ever see on our tombstone the inscription of a wasted life. None of us want to waste our lives. We want to spend our lives with that which matters. And here in our passage, I believe that the, uh, the psalmist Moses was writing this song at the end of his life. And he had seen many things. You know the, the history. You know the story of Moses. You know what he would have lived through. You know that he was brought up in Egypt for 40 years. You know that he was on the backside of a desert for 40 years as he was tending to his father-in-law's sheep. You know that he would then go back to Egypt and he would lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then for 40 years they would wonder. And here at the end of maybe Moses's life, he's writing this psalm, this, this song, if you will, to the children of Israel. And he's just reminding them, he's challenging them, don't waste your life because eventually the ball is going to stop bouncing. Eventually the ball is going to stop bouncing. And what will you have to show for it? They didn't willfully want to waste their lives. But here Moses is just simply trying to get them to remember and to have a right perspective of who God is and how short their lives are. Life was not easy for Moses, but he triumphed. And in this psalm, he shares with us the insights that we too might be able to have a life that is worth living and a life that at the end of it, when we look back, we will have no regrets. And so may the words of Moses today remind us to live our lives in such a way that we are reminded that our ball one day too will stop bouncing. And we ought to prepare now for that future tomorrow. So let's discover real quickly three reminders about living life for, with the future in view. And I want you to see, first of all, we must recognize our Lord is sovereign. Our Lord is sovereign. Look at verse number one, how he starts out this psalm. He simply says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Jump down to verse number four. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Simply the psalmist starts out here with the name of the Lord God, or Adonai, the sovereign Lord. Sovereign simply meaning that he is in complete control of, or he exercises supreme authority over, and he governs the affairs of his creation. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 57, verse number 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. 
We see here that God is the sovereign God. God is the controlling God. He is in control of all facets of space and of time. And he was, the, he, he was there before eternity, right? He was there. He was the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. Nothing can slip by him because he is our creator God. He is from everlasting to everlasting, from eternity to eternity. He always was and he always will be. And though he, had, he is great and though he is vast, he is not removed or indifferent to the crown of his creation. And that is you and that is me. Can I remind you this morning, and I, I know this goes without being said because of who I'm speaking to, but can I just say God loves you. God loves you. You are the crown of his creation. He created you. He has a purpose and a calling before, for you. Before you even existed on this earth, he knew you and he had a plan for your life to accomplish. He is the sovereign God and he cares for you. Your life, my life has significance within the plan of God. We may not know all that the future holds. We may not know everything that will unfold even for us before today, but we can know that God is in control. We can trust his hand. We can trust his will. We can trust him because he is the sovereign God. He is sovereign. And though we may only see a small piece of the puzzle, that the picture that he is painting for us, we can know that he is painting a beautiful picture to be displayed for all. And we might just be the small piece of it, but he's in control. You know, for us, we, we might think, man... This year is dragging on. Or, man, I can't believe we're already through three and a half weeks of college or three weeks of college. Man, it just seems like it's dragging on. But the Bible reminds us not only here in Psalm 90, but also in 2 Peter chapter 3, for one day for us might seem like a long time when we were younger. But to God, a thousand years are to Him, but just one day to us. It says it there in verse number 4, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. As we live today in the light of the future or of tomorrow, we must recognize as Bible college students the sovereignty of God. Don't lose sight of who is in control of your life and who is in control of all of humanity and recognize that God is sovereign. He already knows the beginning. He already knows the end. And he already knows how it's all going to work out. And as you've, said, as you've heard the cliche many times before, we know what the back of the book says and we win. We can can be in complete rest because our Father is sovereign, our Lord is in control, and all God's people said, Amen. Because He knows where you are. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what's going on back home. He is in complete control, but secondly, not only is our Lord sovereign, secondly, we're reminded our lives are short. Our lives are short. Look down, if you would, quickly at verse number 9. Verse number 9, and really kind of towards the end, but verse number 9 says, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Look up just very quickly. How many of you have ever sat at grandma or grandpa's feet and you've heard them tell of the good old days? 
Maybe if you had a grandma or grandpa like mine, they told you about having to walk to school uphill both ways with nothing but their sack lunch to keep their hands warm, you know, as they were going back and forth. We've heard of the tales of the good old days, and, and, and before too long, some of you are going to blink, and you're going to have a grandchild sitting at your knee, and you're going to be talking about the good old days when you sat in chapel under a Dr. Getch, and the good old days when you rubbed shoulders with a Dr. Weaver, and the good old days when you looked up to Mark Rasmussen, and you're going to tell about the days that have been passed, because they will be, few, they will be in the past, and now your tale is just being told. He goes on in verse number 10, the days of our years are three score and years and 10, and if by reason of strength they be four score years or 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll fly away one day. You're going to fly away one day. One day we will take our last breath here on this earth and we will be gone. With every living soul, there comes a built-in time fuse. Some fuses burn slowly, others a little bit more quickly. When you were born, there was a beginning of the game clock of your life that began to click downwards towards zero. Yet for many of you, you went to sleep last night, you pillowed your head, and you did not even give your life another thought of the time or the hours that you had spent throughout that day, not realizing that the game clock of your life is continuing to move downward towards its end. Every day, hundreds if not thousands of people depart for an eternity, and their game clock of life has reached zero. The ball stops bouncing for them. Game over. Genesis reminds us that our life is short. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19 just reminds us, for, out of, uh, for, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Psalm 39 verse number 4 says simply this, Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days what it is that I might know how frail I am. Help me to measure my days. Help me to understand how frail I am. Last night I had the privilege of helping with the basketball tournament in a little bit more of an official capacity. And this morning it was hard to get out of bed because I am not as young as I once was and I'm not in as good a shape as I used to be. And it's a little bit harder to get out of bed when you're out of shape. You're a little bit more frail. But it's not just older people that are frail. You just heard of a prayer request of Madison Hill, who was here just last semester, who is in the hospital right now. Uh, just years ago, we had a student that had a heart condition that he was going through while in Bible college, and he was just frail. All of us need to be reminded of how frail we are. Proverbs 27, verse number 1 says this, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. But we all know James 4, 14, don't we? Whereas ye know that what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then it vanishes away. Here's how Moses said in Psalm 90. You got it there in verse number 12. So teach us 
Because we are frail, because life is so short, because uh, God is sovereign, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. This is not a part of the message, but it's right here for us, that we have to be taught the, the essence or the, no, we need to be taught the reminder that life is short and that we need to live it for the glory of God. Benjamin Franklin said it this way, does thou love life? Then do not squander time for it is the stuff that life is made of. Another man said it this way, life is very short. Some people, some folks, they save their life. Others, they make their life. Most of us, however, we waste our life. Several kill it. A few actually live it. Many try to manage it and they end up losing it. Time is a taker and once it's passed, it will never return to you again. And so Bible college student, can I step on your toes just a little bit here? Would you give me the allowance to? If life is short, then maybe it's time that we push back from the Xbox and the Nintendo Switch. Maybe it's time we get up off of the couch and we stop scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Maybe it's time we start getting out there and realizing that if life is short and every day hundreds and thousands of people are going into eternity with their game clock hitting zero, the ball is no longer bouncing for them, then maybe just perhaps you and I ought to stop being selfish and start living for God's purposes and get out there realizing that God is in control and God can take care of you. And if your life is so short and it's just a vapor, then you might as well spend your life for something that will outlast you. Amen. And that's exactly what we see here. Life is too short to waste these amazing years of your life on things that do not matter or have no eternal significance. Warren Wiersbe said it this way, the school of life is preparation for an eternity with God and without Him. We cannot learn our lessons. We cannot pass our tests. We cannot make progress from kindergarten to graduate school. The older we get, the better we understand that life is brief and it moves past us very swiftly. We number our years. How old are you? Well, I'm so, such and such years old. We number our years, but we don't number our days. I, I believe it was Dr. Rasmussen. He would keep a jar of uh, beans or beads or marbles. Maybe you've heard this illustration from him before. He had a jar on his dresser at home, and, and he had filled it up with a marble, and each marble represented a week of his life if he would live until he was 70 years old. And part of his routine was every Saturday night he would go and he would get one of those marbles out of that jar and he would take that marble and he would look at it and it would just remind him of how he spent his week and how he lived his life and what he did with the days that God had given him and the opportunities that God had given him. And then he would take that marble college student, he would take that marble, he would look at it one last time and he would drop it in the trash as a reminder that that week is gone. I can't get that week back. And over time, he described how that jar would get lower and lower and lower as more and more of his life was lived in the past than what he had yet to fulfill in the future. Just this past uh, winter break, I picked up a book, Dr. Getch, uh, simply entitled Living Forward. 
I, I didn't know what it was. I had no expectations of it. Just had found this book and thought I would read it. And in this book, it had challenged you to, to look at your life and to consider the end of your life and consider where you want to be one day and to kind of, in, in a sense, uh, kind of just provide yourself a roadmap for your life and how you would spend your life. And I got so in-depth into that book. And part of what it was asking you to do as you were looking forward was it was asking you to write uh, out your own eulogy. Now, for some of you, that might be a big word, but your eulogy is, what do you want said at your funeral? It was at that time that I was writing out what I would hope that people would say at my funeral when I was dead and gone, and I was just kind of thinking through how I would have to live my life to be able to have that kind of a result and how I would have to spend my days. And as I was writing that out, I started to realize I have more life behind me than I have left in front of me if I'm only guaranteed 70 years. I've already passed the halfway mark. And it began to dawn on me how short life is. Deuteronomy says it this way, and this is again from the hand of Moses, verse number 30, or chapter 32, verse 29, he says this, Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Life is short college student. Right now, you might feel like the ball of your life is going to bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce forever, but what is your life? It's but a vapor. We don't know when we'll take our last breath. We don't know what might happen to us today or the next day. We have no guarantee of tomorrow, and so we need to re realize that life is short. But then that leads us to our last point, and we'll be done. If our Lord is sovereign... If he is in control of everything and he knows the beginning from the end and he knows why he has purposed you for this time in our world history, if our God is sovereign and if our lives are short, then here's the last challenge. We should live it in service. We should live our lives in the service of God. Look down at verse number 14 for those of you not writing your notes. The psalmist says, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. He's talking about here getting our attention early, getting us while we're still in college, getting us before we're 30, before we're 40, before we're 50, before we're 60, and we look up and we go, Man, I have wasted my life. What has happened? What did I do with it? Why did I squander the blessings of God? He's wanting you to wake up early so that all of your days you might rejoice and be glad. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. And then he goes on in verse number 16 and 17, Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. If our lives are short and the plan of God is sovereign, then let us, let us learn to live our lives for the glory of the Lord. The last verse of the psalm just simply speaks of the work of our hands being established or being lasting or having some eternal significance. And Moses is here simply praying that God's work would be done. He longs to see God's power on behalf of the people of Israel. Historically, of course, this refers to Israel's possession of the land of promise. It was, certain, it was certainly no 
glory to God when the children of Israel were wandering the desert for 40 years, when they were wasting their opportunity and wasting their lives and wasting their time, and many of them would die off in that faithless generation. That was not a glory unto God. And Moses here is trying to remind their children to establish their work, to realize that God's in control, to realize their life is short, and to live their lives in the service of God. He's praying for God's blessing upon their work. And what Moses means here is not just the work of their hands, but of their lives, that it would not be wasted on things that do not matter. What greater way for you or I to spend our lives or to invest our time on this earth than to be in the service of our great God and our great King? 1 John chapter 2, verse number 17 says it this way, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. As Moses watched the Jewish people wander the wilderness, their lives seemed so wasted, so useless, so many funeral after funeral with lives of regret when they had a beginning of such promise. And being a man of God, he does not want your life or my life to be wasted. He wants it to count for the glory of God. What a waste if you and I would live our lives for ourselves. If we just would spend our lives and invest our time in the things that have no eternal value, to just do whatever feels good, and hey, I'll start living for God one day, and I'll get serious about this thing one day, and when all of a sudden your freedoms are taken away, that one day may never come. To wander aimlessly as the children of Israel did in the wilderness, and not to use the youth that God has given to you to its fullest is not going to bring God glory. Instead, what a waste. Apart from Jesus Christ, life would be unbearable. Why endure trials? Why attend Bible college if there is no God and, and if it's not for His glory? But friends, life is not a burden. Life is with Jesus Christ is worth it. He is in control and your life can be an adventure in the will of God. It can have its challenges, but what an investment that you are making for eternity. The blessings of our work and of our witness here on earth for the Lord will have lasting, lasting benefits and results and more rewards than any other task you could do in this life. You could be the president, but not be laying up treasures in heaven. You could spend your life as a chiropractor but not be laying up treasures in heaven. You could be the best Xbox player on Call of Duty and not be laying up treasures in heaven. Right now, you might be convinced that the ball of your life will always bounce. Some of you think that you're always going to have your athletic ability. Some of you think you're always going to have your sharp mind. Some of you think that you're always going to have whatever it is that you are currently enjoying. But my friends, if I can just challenge you on something I was challenged with, that we ought to number our days because our life is short, but our God is sovereign. And one day the ball of your life too will stop bouncing. And then what will you have to show for it? What will be left when this game is over? You've heard it so many times, but it goes without saying one last time. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last.